To another exciting episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the Inflatable Rob Kelly. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, Shag. Can you believe we're recording together? Well, at least we're making it sound like we are. I'm recording my bits separately and sending them to Rob, and he's just sending in his bits, and we're getting Ryan to edit it all together because he's really good at editing. But if it all comes together, it's going to actually sound like we're having a conversation for the first time in a month. Yes. <laughs> Seriously, how you been, man? I'm good. I'm very happy to be recording with you again. It's, it was been, we went three solid weeks. That's crazy. I mean, sometimes that happens, but that's uh, you know, it's it's not the first time this happened, but it's pretty rare. And, and I'm not, so I'm very I'm, I'm not, very happy. I'm not even on the road yet either for work. No, so, it yeah. happened. Yeah, we had all these different shows pop up and stuff. Yeah, it was crazy. Those first issue specials were great. I really, really enjoyed those. Those were a lot of fun. Uh, I had a great time with the Justice League International podcast. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, we've been doing this, oh, gosh, five years now. Uh, next month, there'll be five years. Yeah. And it's it's sort of like these are sort of our, you know, solo John Lennon Yoko projects going on <laughs> on the side, I think. You know, and it's, it is going to tear us apart. I'm just saying. That's what's going to happen here. <laughs> we are going to be that McCartney album that he recorded while he was still with the Beatles. And he's like, hey, guys, I did my own album. I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, well, I'm also on top of the moon because uh, at the time of this recording, just a few hours ago at San Diego Comic-Con, they aired a trailer for the brand new Justice League action cartoon. Now, we've known about it for a while, and we've known that Firestorm was going to be in it for a while. But we actually got to see a trailer, and Firestorm, at least from that, appears to be a big part. He provides the comedic value from the trailer, that's for sure. And uh, I was thrilled to see him in there. Have you seen it yet? Yeah, it looks terrific. I mean, it looks so terrific, I'm not even going to complain about the obvious thing that I could complain about. Well, you know what? Russell Burbage put on his angry pants and already beat you to it on Facebook. And I will say, yes, Aquaman's not in it, but 
I think it's fair to say Aquaman got Batman Brave and the Bold. He got to be the funny guy there. He absolutely he got a huge role on that show. He's getting his own movie. He's gonna Volko yep. is gonna be in the Justice League movie. I got no reason to complain. It looks like <laughs> well, a terrific cartoon. It looks so much fun. Well, I was going to say, it looked like Aquaman got to be the comedic relief on Batman and Brave and the Bold. It looks like Firestorm gets to be the comedic relief on this one. It's a little fire and water action going on in the animation world. And, and the trailer ended with the perfect line. Kevin Conroy as Batman saying something along the lines like, you know, miss me? Yeah, or something. it was that terrific. Was and I heard that Pat Oswalt is going to be Space Cabby, which is a sentence I never thought I'd say in my life. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It looks it looks cool. It, the the beats look really fun. I love that one brief sequence of like I guess it's Batman punching a guy and the it's only lit by like the firing gun yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. That looks so like why has that never been done in one of the movies? It looks like it looks like a total blast. Can't wait. Can't wait. I didn't see the release date on it. I, I didn't catch that. And 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 honestly, you guys are going to hear this. You know, after San Diego Comic Con is really kind of coming to an end, so goodness knows what other ridiculous stuff's going to be announced between the time we record this. Right, and right. Here. I mean, we'll probably this will be one of those where we have to put something on the front as well. At the time of this recording, we didn't know about the new Fire and Water cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> I think they would tell us about that. I I don't know. They don't tell me anything. So <laughs> it's you who get all the big interviews, sir. <laughs> I have to ask for the interviews with my people. All right. Well, tell you what. Before we get much further, we should probably do our in-stock trades. What do you think? Absolutely. All right, folks. This episode of the Fire & Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collector editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping on orders of $50 or more. What you got? Well, for anybody who's been paying attention, you know what I'm about to recommend because it's now available. Tales of the Batman. Alan Brennert hardcover. This collects all of Alan Brennert's Batman stories, which are some of the best Batman stories ever done. It features Brave and the reprints of Brave and the Bold 178, 181, 182, 197, Detective 500, and Batman Holy Terror. Uh, the artists are Jim Aparo, Dick Giordano, uh, Joe Staten, I think, did one, and some others. Uh, it's Norm, Norm Brayfogle on Holy Norm, Terror. Norm, Norm Brayfogle, of course, on Holy Terror. Woo! The normal price is twenty nine ninety nine. In stock trades, in stock trades price sixteen dollars and forty nine cents. <laughs> it's tough to say. Forty five percent off. Get this book. Uh, I already have a signed copy from Alan on its way to me. I'm super. I am super excited about this book. I am so. I I was about to say proud, and then I was catching myself, and now I realize I I am proud because I will say this. Maybe I shouldn't, but. Alan did inform me that it was my interview with him that kind of got the ball rolling on. <gasps> which, no way. Yeah, he mentioned that to me. Not not in a direct sense, but in a kind of like, hey, you know, like it started drumming up attention and then other conversations got started. So, and that means the absolute world to me because as any of you who have listened to the show knows, I just completely worship Alan and his work. And so I'm so happy there's a collection of his Batman stories. I mean, all of his books, all of his comics should be collected, but the Batman stuff is, is out of this world. So pick it up. Tales of the Batman, Alan Brennan. And I'm not one to toot Rob's horn, and don't read into more to that than that's what's simply the words on the page there. But, folks, if you haven't listened to Rob's interview with Alan Brenner here in the Firewater Podcast or read the transcript in Back Issue Magazine, you really should. It's a great interview. I hadn't even read those comics. Uh, for, well, I had read some of them, but I hadn't read a lot of them, and I still was captivated. It was a fantastic interview, so well done, sir. Thank, thank you. Thanks. So, yes, I love talking to Alan. 
And congratulations on getting that trade paperback printed. I'm sure it's going to have your name in the credits. Saying, you know, thanks <laughs> yes. to Rob Kelly for making this happen. I'm but. sure. I'm sure. Um, I'm going to recommend a book. It's sort of the second week in a row I'm recommending it because it, I also recommend uh, – talked about it on the Justice League International podcast, but I recorded that like a month or two ago. So anyway, <laughs> in my hands, from In Stock Trades, I ordered Pulp Fiction Library Mystery in Space trade paperback. This thing is an absolute – Hoot, folks. It has got 33 fantastic old sci-fi comic book stories, like mostly from the Silver Age. And the reason I bought it was for Space Cabby, but I stayed for Star Hawkins. And that's going to come into play a little later in this episode. And uh, it's an absolute hoot. It's got Adam Strange, Ultra the Multi-Alien, Captain Comics, Space Ranger, Tommy Tomorrow, the Atomic Knights. It just keeps going and going. Uh, you know, Gardner Fox, Len Wein, Paul Levitz, Jack Kirby, Frank Rosetta, Joe Kirby, Alex Toth. I don't need just Buy the damn thing, guys. It's 206 pages. It's full color. $19.95. Uh, 45% off right now. You can get it for $10.97. And I am so glad I bought this. There's so much joy in this collection. It's just some of the goofiest crap. And uh, it's so much fun. So pick it up. Folks, for both of those and all your other collector edition needs, please visit InStockTrades.com. Go up to their Contact Us button when you order and drop a message say that you heard about us uh, or heard, heard about them or that particular book on the Fire & Water podcast. So. Very cool. We also have another sponsor. This is very exciting. Uh, we have The Only Living Boy Volume 2. Woohoo! Uh, yes, we, of course, we uh, Only Living Boy advertised on the show before. We're very excited that Volume 2 is out. Uh, it's the Jungle Book meets the Island of Dr. Moreau in the second volume, The Only Living Boy, Beyond Sea and Sky, on sale now from award-winning authors David Gallagher and Steve Ellis. Recently nominated as one of the best comics for younger readers of the 26 Harvey Awards, The Only Living Boy is an action-adventure series for the young and the young at heart. Captain America and Flash author Mark Wade says... Paul Pope and Jack Kirby never had a chance to work together, but if they had, it would only be slightly less awesome than this. That's a Pope quote. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a quote. Thanks, Mark. The Only Living Boy is ready to join the ranks of books like Bone and Amulet as one of the very best. That's from Blaster. The Only Living Boy, Beyond Sea and Sky, is on sale now wherever great graphic novels are sold. Learn more at papercuts.com. Now, I've had a chance to read uh, Volume 2, and I would say the Kirby influence is even more apparent in that this thing is chock-a-block with ideas. Like, mm. there is just so many concepts and ideas, and it really is kind of a... And we were talking about the artwork by Steve Ellis is beautiful. It's a really great-looking book, but I loved all the concepts here. I mean, it's just... David's just running through things left and right, just characters and ideas. It's a really, really fun book. We like the first volume. We like the second volume. And we're very happy that they're advertising back on the show. I loved the first volume tremendously. It was so much fun. I haven't read the second one yet, so I'm, I'm jealous. We have to run out and get it. Uh, had a very... To me, a very 1980s sort of heroic vibe, and it was so much fun. So, like a Calvin and Hobbes kind of influence in there, mm-hmm. along, along with just 80s great cartoon goodness. So much fun. So yeah. definitely worth your time, folks. All right. Well, I think it's time to move on to the meat of the end episode, right? Absolutely. This is one of our favorite segments, folks. When Rob and I uh, talked about what to do this week, we had some choices in front of us. And the fact is, you know what? Since we launched the network back in, what, February? We've yeah. been working like dogs. I mean, just the amount of content we're cranking out. Rob's putting out three shows a week. I'm pretty sure he's quit his job and his girlfriend doesn't talk to him anymore. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's just I'd be con- happy for one of those things were true. <laughs> Ouch. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, you've totally thrown me off my game now. <laughs> anyway. Uh, you know, we, we should probably be doing the review issue, a review episode, to be quite honest. Talking about the new Aquaman because there's two books on the shelves. There's a new Legends Great. of Tomorrow book. 
But you know what? We felt like having some fun. Rob and I absolutely love doing the Whatever Happened To segments from DC Comics Presents. They're a complete hoot. So we said, forget forget it. We're going to do something fun this week for us, and well, that's it, where we are. It's also not that it's not fun. It's just that we didn't have a lot of time. I mean, the books – I mean, look, we're recording this – we'll, we'll say we record this on Thursday nights generally. And but the books that – one of the books that we wanted to talk about, or two of them, came out on Wednesday. And that's just not enough time really – to like sit and think about it, you know, like you find that there, you have to write the review super fast and talk about it super fast. And I'm not that bright, so I miss things. And you know, <laughs> there's all this stuff about the stories that I don't understand. And Shag points out, and I have to ed- go edit my wrong words out. So that is just, all like, completely true. It, it is entirely true. And I didn't want to edit anything else. So it's like, you know what? Let's do it. It's our show. We'll do it next week. We'll get to it next week. That'll be fine. And so we want to do something fun. So, and these stories are fun. Well, yeah, and, and and for me, honestly, it was less about the work and it was more about having fun. I am all about in my joy. You, you know what I'm doing in my spare time right now instead Whoa. of editing podcasts like Get I'm supposed to be that. doing? I'm reading the Marvel Spider-Man clone saga. Like, <laughs> okay. I should not be doing this. It is 77 issues long. Wow. And that's before you even get to the point where he becomes Spider-Man. It's that long. And I'm like halfway through it. I'm having an absolute blast. So I'm all about finding your joy right now, folks. So. We are, again, DC Comics Presents, they used to publish this backup strip called Whatever Happened To, starting with issue 20-something. And and so far, we have done four previous episodes. If you want to listen to the back ones, check out episode 153. Sorry, I'm going to do this in reverse order. Uh, Check out episode 96 of this show, where we covered Our Man and Sargon the Sorcerer. Then episode 103 of the show, we covered Kongorilla and Johnny Thunder, and that's the cowboy Johnny Thunder. And that is probably one of our favorite Whatever Happened To stories. It's so good. 128 covered Dr. Midnight and the Atom. And then 153 covered Robot Man and Mark Merlin and Prince Rahman. Absolute hoot. And if, in fact, also, before I forget, if you want more DC Comics Presents Chocolate of Goodness, be sure to check out the DC Comics Presents show with our buddy Russell Bragg. He puts out a podcast covering each issue, one, uh, issue by issue, and uh, lots of fun. So we're up to, I guess, DC Comics Presents number 33? Yes. All right, this one's mine. So sit back and relax, Rob. So this, uh, the cover, now this, this isn't related necessarily to the backups we're going to talk about, but i got to talk about the cover. Oh my gosh, i got to talk about the cover. It is uh, DC Comics Presents number 33 with Superman and Shazam, and it has the most astonishing cover. Well, not astonishing, but just gorgeous and captivating cover by Rick Buckler and Dick Giordano. It features Kal-El and the Big Red Cheese, and they're facing off, and they're just pissed off at each other. And somehow, their costumes have been switched. The Man of Tomorrow is wearing Captain Marvel costume, and the Mightiest Mortal is wearing Superman's costume. And there's Superman screaming, Cap, what's the idea of switching costumes with me? And Shazam is screaming, I gained all your powers too, Superman. While I wear this outfit, I'm you. And you're me! And there's all these onlookers from the city pointing and looking and everything. And I had this comic as a kid. It, it, this, this came out, uh, what, in 1981, I think? Yeah. And this is before... I was really a collector. I didn't become a collector until 83. And so this would have been like, you know, when you're a kid and you just get random comics. Well, no, you've been a freak since you were born. But, okay, normal people just have a weird little stack of comics. You know, I had my Sad Zacks and, you know, whatever else I had. And I had this issue of DC Comics Presents. And I spent hours staring at this cover. Just, I don't know that I remember the insides of it all that well. But the cover is just great. 
Yes, beautiful. Rick, but Rick, Rick, it's Rich Buckler, not Rick. Buckler. I, I say Rick a lot, but it's Rich. I know. Yeah, it, it's so easy to say. Yeah, the, the, you know, we've talked about it before. He was like the perfect superhero artist, you know. And having two giant superpowered guys beat the crap out of each other is right up his alley. So these were this and the uh, follow up issue. Uh, I remember buying number thirty four off the stands off of Seven Eleven. So yeah, these, mm. these are really fun stories. Oh, the cover's awesome. All right, all right, we're gonna go to the backups right now. Now, now all of these have been called whatever happened to. This one is actually called, I don't know if you caught this or not, Whatever Will Happen to Star <gasps> Hawkins. I know. They flipped the script. <laughs> Written by Mike Teffenbacher, penciler Alex Saviak, inker Vince Coletta, letterer Shelley Lefferman, colorist Jerry Serpe, and editor Julie Schwartz. Here we go. All right, now. Folks, this is how you do a comic book, by the way. In just the opening panel, just the opening panel, it's about two-thirds of the page, we learn nearly everything we need to know about our protagonist, Star Hawkins. It's the year 2092, and Star, that's his name, Star is a down-on-his-luck private investigator. He's, he's like an, almost a throwback to the, to the 20th century you know, gumshoes. And he's had a bunch of successful cases, but he's constantly short on money. In fact, he has to sell his robotic secretary into Hawk at the local pawn shop on a regular basis just to make ends meet. His, robot, his robotic girl Friday, her name is Ilda, or Al, Alda? How would you say that? That's Alda, I thought. Alda? Okay. Alda, and so um, she's at the well, pawn shop. Maybe it is Alda. You know, I don't know. They need to do it on Just League Action, and then we'll know. Oh, my gosh. That would be amazing. Okay, so his girl Friday, her name is Ilda. We'll go with that. And uh, the pawn shop owner warns Star that Ilda's model is, is obsolete and really has no market value anymore, and he's not going to be able to hawk her anymore. All of that you get from the first panel. That's, that's how you do a comic, <laughs> folks. That's amazing. I love that. All right. So uh, Star and Ilda, they return to their office, and upon arrival, Ilda senses some armed intruders inside the office. Star tries to warn her, but she doesn't listen. She overzealously knocks open the door and confronts the strangers. Well, once the confusion subsides, we discover that Star was expecting them. We're, in, we're introduced to Stella Sterling and her bodyguard, Auto Man. Don't, not to be confused with the 80s TV show. And uh, now stepping out of the story for a moment, Auto Man is another classic DC character created in the 1960s, although his adventures took place in the 2060s. And uh, back into the story here, Auto Man was created by Stella Sterling's great-great-grandfather. And of course, Ilda immediately begins to swoon over Auto Man. I love the little hearts floating in the air and everything. It's just adorable. Now, it turns out there have been two abduction attempts made against Stella Sterling. Both stopped by Auto Man. In fact, another abduction attempt happens at that moment in Star's office. Two Corvan mercenaries storm into the room, and Star and Auto Man end up repelling them, uh, repelling the Zips. That's a that's a cool slang term for 20th century criminals. That's what I'm going to start calling them now, Zips. But because you know it's 21st century now. So Ilda, sadly, Ilda sort of proves to be a hindrance during the fight, and she really is very embarrassed about her performance in front of Auto Man. So, during the, after the scuffle, Automan discovers a discarded ticket stub, which may be a clue to where the mercenary's hideout is. So, Star sends Automan and Ilda to investigate the ticket stub, while Star then offers to take Stella Sterling to, wait for it, to the safety of his apartment. So, because uh, apparently they have those kind of Cinemax movies in the future, too. Automan and Ilda discover the Corvus mercenary hideout. And again, Ilda makes several sort of sitcom-like airhead mistakes. And while they're listening to the bad guys, the two robots are immobilized 
by a Corv- Corvus defense system. And in a desperate effort, Ilda broadcasts a telepathic warning over to Hawkins. Didn't know she had that ability, but it's kind of cool. Back at Star's apartment, he is totally macking on Stella Starling. And just as, he, as he's about to make his move, Ilda's warning comes in, and the Corvins are... They attack by disintegrating the floor of Hawkins' apartment. And it's kind of funny, because he had just been sort of like bragging about his security systems. And so there's a funny little bit where, oh, I was going to get a security system for the floor next. So it's, it's cute. And uh, let's see. So then Star and Stella, they, they end up putting up, a, honestly, a pretty cool fight. And, uh, but they're immobilized with this goo from a stick bomb. And we discover that Stella Sterling was never really the target. It turns out the bad guys are after Auto Man. So, meanwhile, Ilda facilitates her and Auto Man's escape. She does something right, which is great. They crash into Star's apartment, and then Ilda saves the day again with some really clever planning. We learn that the Corvins needed Auto Man's body because it's made of some uh, manganese, and they were going to use it to power some deadly weapon. And it turns out that one of the bad guys they caught is Galactic Enemy Number 1. And the bounty is, was worth 250 million credits, which in, in English money – well, never mind – Britek screwed it all up, but Star and Stella then founded a school for robot detectives with Auto Man as the head of faculty. And Ilda's heroism won robots everywhere the right to, well, essentially robots can get married is what they're saying in the future, all thanks to Ilda. And that's it. There you go. Eight pages. Boom. What'd you think, buddy? <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of, I mean, Ilda is such a weird design. <laughs> like she, I'm sorry. She looks like a sex bot. She just does. Uh, and then you got the end where the, the uh, they talk to Julie Schwartz at the end of it, and yes, you're working they do. in yeah, you're working in Auto Man, uh, yeah. There's just a crap ton of concepts thrown in here. Uh, I got distracted by, and this is such a minor thing, but in page five when they fall through the floor, yeah. and they go to that like apartment below, yeah. there's there's this little drawing on the wall, and it's a black and white picture, and it to me it looks like a, a comic book page. So like they fill a new apartment of someone who collects original comic book art. Or something. I thought it was a nagel. Okay. Yeah, it's probably the nagel, but it doesn't look like that. Yeah, I just, lo- I just love how they both come in kicking. They come yeah, to the floor and yeah, kick this mercenary. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's enormous fun. I mean, it's just silliness and, you know, Silver Age goofiness and just jamming in more concepts. As you mentioned, like how much they tell you of the story in the first panel, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and the, 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 the way the bot is – Ilda's posing sexily is weird. Oh, yeah. And so it's, 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 <laughs> it's a weird story. I find it absolutely uh, adorable or charming. Maybe charming is the word for it. it. I mean, it's goofy. I don't. It is, but it's it rockets along. It's a lot of fun. You get a lot of characterization. You really get into the characters of Ilda uh, and and a little bit of robot or Auto Man, and you get a little bit of Star. Not a lot with with Stella, but that's okay. And uh, <laughs> I'm glad you caught the Julie Schwartz thing. I was going to mention that. Yeah. Now you mentioned the Ilda. Uh, I, I didn't call her a sex bot, but I said they did doll her up a bit because uh, I, as I mentioned at the beginning when we did the in-stock trades app, there is a Starhawken story in this mystery in space trade paperback. So I went ahead and read it. And uh, it, is, it is equally goofy in, in a fun sort of way. It's, it's from 1960. Uh, script by John Broom, art by Mike Sikowski, and inks by Bernard Sox. And Star looks pretty much the same, same outfit, certainly, except he had black hair back then. And, but they definitely changed Ilda. Back then, at least in the 1960s appearance, she didn't even have a mouth. Her eyes were just sort of ovals. So they didn't have the girly eyelashes. Hmm. And her figure was not gr- that girly at all. And there was not a, a sexual tension between her and Star. And uh, he, it's, a, it's a fun little story where she's, she's practicing um, 
her, her she wants to keep her brain active, and so she's looking at the races in the newspaper every day and calculating who should win. And these criminals down the down the hall figure out that she's doing this, and she, they bet on all her races that she predicts. It's 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 adorable. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, I I don't want to call her a sex bot, but she, she might be a sex bot. <laughs> Star's a lonely guy, so um, I like how there's romance blooming, you know, between her, uh, between Ilda and. And I keep trying to call him Robot Man. And Auto Man and Stella and, and Star. I think that's adorable. And it, it, the art, it, it's, it's Alex Saviak. So you know it's going to be reliable. You know, it's, he's, he's a reliable artist, but not groundbreaking. So I would say it's very enjoyable. The faces are a bit off sometimes, but the action just moves along nicely. And, you know, with an eight-page story, you don't have time to waste. So no. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I would say also, um, when we covered Star Hawkins and Who's Who, it was driving me nuts. Because I kept saying, I know Star Hawkins. And we went through, like, there's a whole, you probably cut it, I don't remember. But there was a whole rambling conversation we had about me trying to figure out where I knew him from. I was sure it was in some adventure comics with Aquaman or something. But no, no, no. Turns out it was this issue of DC Comics Presents I was remembering and couldn't figure it out. A lot of fun. I love this story. And you folks at home should too. Yeah, it's, 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 it's. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to have um, special dreams about Ilda, I think, now that Rob's pointed that out to me. It's it's very upsetting. She reminds me of, um, oh, shoot, what's the metal man? Tina. Because Tina was, like, insecure about her personality, oh. and so was Il- Il- Ilda here. So they, they have that kind of similar thing. Tina was very sexually provocative, though. I mean, yeah. Ilda's, she's got a big lemon head. I mean, it's, <laughs> like, like, that's the best way to describe it. I remember always thinking it looked like a lemon head, but... Um, yeah, she's adorable, though. So, all right. I also love. I also love uh, the DC futuristic architecture. The buildings they yeah. they, they were very much reminiscent of, of like all the stuff Carmen Infantino used to draw. And it was like it just everything looks wonderful, you know. Like all the buildings are really cool, and like all the angular. And you see some of that at the end here, where they yeah. go to the the Hawkins Sterling at Academy of Robot Detection. Like the buildings are just wonderful. There's robots walking around. It's just super cool. It's just, it's just like. All kind of like upbeat Star Trekky that everything is like like a big Apple store and it all works really well. <laughs> this has that vibe to it. That's what I love about DC futuristic stuff. Well, I would say it honors that sort of Silver Age aspect, but tries to give it sort of a Bronze Age perspective. So it, it's a nice melding. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I want to mention is the the bad guys. They have letters and numbers in their names. Yeah. Which was like you know now you see that all over the place with like movie titles and like seven was did it. And, but but these guys were ahead of the curve. So nice job, uh, Mike Tiefenbacher. Well, it's funny. Like you mentioned seven, and like you can read the word seven in that logo, and you know what it says, even right. though it's got a number in there. So like I was doing the same thing, trying to figure out what like how do you read the one and the two? So that's okay. that's an I, and that's like oh yeah, <laughs> the whole lead speak thing didn't exist back then. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're supposed to just go with it. <laughs> yep. Speaking of going with it, let's do Rex. Yes, uh, Rex the Wonder Dog. I have to start off the story by saying this is the greatest comic book story ever printed. <laughs> well, right. first tell them what issue it is because they did jump it's an issue. Barely, it's only slightly not as good as Lady Cop, but uh, anyway, yeah, it's from DC Comics presents uh, number thirty-five. Number thirty-four was a full-length story, so they skipped an issue. So this is number thirty-five. It's whatever happened to Rex the Wonder Dog. Mike Tiefenbacher is back as our writer. The artist is Gil Kane. Woo! So you know we're in for something good because the last time he did one, it was Johnny Thunder, and you and oh, I went all nuts over right. that one. Yeah. It was so good. Gaspar is the letterer and him and his little fancy signature. Anthony Tallinn <laughs> is the colorist. And, of course, Julie Schwartz is the editor. 
The story opens with a headline, Wonder Dog Prevents Assassination. <laughs> How can that be? Uh, and not, it, to be con- not to be confused with the one from Super Friends, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, no, no, not that one yet. So, uh, and we have the sheriff, Sheriff Cage, and he's explaining how is uh, how is Rex Wonder Dog still around? Because like all his adventures years ago, but he's going to go back to explain that. So we cut to uh, his uh, Bobo the Chimp. Uh, sheriff Cage owns Bobo the Chimp, or his, his companion is maybe not owns, but Bobo the Chimp is watching a western starring Rex because Rex was a movie star. In case you forgot that, <laughs> he's watching the movies, and he and and now you have to remember. Uh, Rex the, uh, I mean, uh, Bobo the Chimp speak, speaks like a chimp. He has like, chick, chick, wah, wood, wood, brick. But he speaks. He, <laughs> when you, he, I'm sorry. My, my microphone is breaking up, or headphones. Could you say that again? No, I'm not going to. Now, when he <laughs> thinks, he thinks in English. After, you have to go with that. He, he, he thinks in English, so we understand what he's saying. So anyway, he's watching uh, Western Storing Rex, and he becomes a big fan of Rex. So Sheriff Cage and Bobo go to a circus where Rex is performing. They meet backstage, and Rex offers, offers Bobo a collar that he got as a gift. And then Rex smells the scent of evil. <laughs> Rex <laughs> then, is so badass. Yeah. <laughs> then news comes that the cash drawer of the circus has been robbed. So Rex... So, uh, uh, Sheriff Cage and Rex's pal take off to go look at the uh, – see what happened. Meanwhile, Rex takes off in the other direction. Bobo follows Rex and realizing he is missing his lucky Liberty dollar, which he got, which is like his little favorite little totem. Anyway, the trail leads to a boat that Rex and Bobo stow away on. They follow the boat. It lands on Bimini Island, and uh, Bobo and Rex atta- are attacked by an – or Rex is attacked by an alligator. Bobo manages to um, save Rex's life after they get get a – get away from the alligator by feeding him some water from a nearby stream. Uh, then they sleep uh, in that spot and they stay there for the night. Rex and Bobo take, uh, fake a fight, which draw the bad guys out of their little hut. Then they attack the bad guys, knocking uh, what they call bing bang sticks out of the bad guy's hands. Rex forces the, the two guys onto the boat and he like snarls at them. And Bobo drives the boat back home. Let's remember that. A chimp drove a boat back home. <laughs> <laughs> Sheriff Cage notices that Bobo was acting after after the guys have been arrested. Sheriff Cage notices that Bobo was acting like very sprightly, like like very unusual. A doctor examines him and surmises that Bobo is less than eighteen months old. How can that be? It turns out that the water that Bobo and Rex drank from was the fountain of youth. Well, they were here in Florida, right? So they're young again. So we cut to today, and we see what Rex is doing now. His human, Danny, which is the guy that he performed with at the circus, he uh, went on to become an astronaut, and eventually (laughs) Rex joined him on the moon. (laughs) And the final panel is Rex and Danny in spacesuits on the moon. That is the eight pages of Rex the Wonder Dog. This is why this... Okay. It It is stories like this... And the Crimson Avenger one, which we will get to eventually, are the Alpha and Omega of comic book stories. <laughs> they are they represent everything that is good about comic books in 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 polar opposite directions. <laughs> and this okay. is why we love to do the whatever happened to segments because these stories are fantastic. I love this story so much because we have a chimp and a dog teaming up. They think in human thoughts. They drive boats. They drink from the fountain of youth. They become astronauts. They <laughs> they knock the guns out of people's hands. The Bing Bang sticks. They fake fights to fool the bad guys. This has just got every, Mike Tiefenbacher is clearly when he was typing this had a plaque that said, "What would Bob Haney do?" And this is what Bob Haney would do. 
So, I'm crying. I'm laughing so hard. I had no idea the story was that good. I read it years ago, and then I read it again for this, and I was like, oh, my God, this is the greatest story DC's ever put. It is so fantastic. It's so goofy. It's so silly. It's so wonderful. Beautifully drawn by Gil Kane. I mean, I love it. I'm just so in love with this story. It's fantastic. My friend Rob often likes to say it broke the goofy meter. Oh, this thing is yeah, it shattered it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot to talk about in here. Um, first of all, I've heard of this story a bunch of times in reference to Rex and in reference to Detective Jim. So I've heard about this whole drinking from the fountain youth thing. What we read about who's who. I used to read it, you know, in Shadow Pack, and I think whenever I, the appearances I read with Rex, I think was in Flash. I mean, I've, I've seen it referenced a lot. I'd never actually read this story, though. So when it gets to that point, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the one. I was so excited. And uh, it's fair to say that Detective Chimp gets really more airtime than Rex does. It's more of a Detective Chimp story. Yeah, it really is more of a Detective Chimp story. But it's explaining Rex. So I guess that's how they got got around it. It's a nice framing sequence. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) I love Bobo's uh, cowboy fascination. I mean, he's actually wearing a cowboy hat, uh, not on his head, but around the back, like a string and around his back. Throughout most of the adventure, which is just hysterical and adorable at the same time. You talked about the way they think in English, and the thoughts are just so cute. Like, you know, he smells evil, and, you know, Rex talks about um, how the tightrope has gotten thinner. You know, it's just there's some really just endearing uh, dialogue in this. Now, the alligator reference, where, where Rex fights an alligator, I think, and I could be wrong, somebody might need to correct me on this, I want to say there's an old cover of Rex the Wonder Dog where he's fighting an alligator. Because he even says as he climbs on the alligator, this is one of my old tricks. Right. So I, I seem to recall there was a, a classic Rex cover where he fights an alligator, which is just totally Rex's I think Rex the Wonder Dog ran for like 60 issues or something. Oh, we're going to talk about that. So I've got, I'm sure they got, got to that at some point. Now, Bobo mentions the Secret Seven. And he's like, wait till the Secret Seven hear about this. So I had to look that up. Turns out they're a, they're a group of young boy investigators. I was hoping upon hope it was like a group of talking animals that all hung out together. I thought that'd be the greatest thing ever, but not so much. And uh, if you want more Bobo, by the way, he was just recently covered on the Secret Origins podcast in the All Gorilla issue. So uh, it's definitely worth checking out there. Lots of fun. They, they were totally bewildered by certain aspects of this story. Now, I want to mention, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of moving on, but we can. it still works with this, so we can go back and forth if we want. Now, um, you notice in this story, Bobo, uh, the detective chimp, and uh, Rex Wonder Dog are teamed up. Now, th- this is becoming a habit in these Whatever Happened to stories. It's almost like two firsts. You know, they, they paired up Star Hawkins with Auto Man. Right. They paired up Detective Chimp with, uh, with Rex. They paired up in a previous one, Prince Raman and Mark Merlin. So it's almost like they're trying to cover as many trademarks as they can and get it done quickly. So, and, and then uh, Detective Chimp goes on, of course, to jump. He becomes an alcoholic and becomes a very important figure in comic books in the Shadow Pack. And Shadow Pack, right, yeah. yeah he's absolutely wonderful. I mean, he's so funny in Day of Vengeance and Shadow Pack. He's like the breakout star of those. He's, he's absolutely wonderful. Now, do you know why they, they uh, picked uh, Detective Chimp and Rex to be together in this story? Um, no. You said you thought that Rex the Wonder Dog had a long run in this series, right? You are correct, sir. Rex the Wonder Dog appeared in 46 issues. 46 issues about a dog. In his own series from 1952 and 1959. And lo and behold, Detective Chimp was in 42 of those issues. Wow. I did not know that's where his, his, his moment was in the sun. He was, I guess, a backup story in Rex the Wonder Dog. Hmm. Makes sense. All right. 
So, and since I'm talking about appearances, Star Hawkins, by the way, had 22 appearances before this. And that was all in Strange Adventures from 1960 to 1966. Auto Man, only four appearances in Tales of the Unexpected in 1965 to 1966. Well, this was an absolutely charming story. I absolutely love it. I, I think it's adorable that people, you know, the, the writers love these characters so much, they want them to stay around. And by giving them the fountain of youth <laughs> to make that work. Oh. I, and I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say that this was something Gil Kane asked to do. Well, I mean, he drew the original Wex, the Wonder Dog comics. Oh. But it's like, uh, or at least some of them. But I mean, like at this point, doing a little backup feature in DC was probably a little bit, like, I don't want to say beneath him because it's not, that's not what I mean. But like, he was a big, you know, Gil Kane was a big deal. And I am feeling like this is something he probably wanted to draw. You know, like he thought it would be fun because it just seems like, wow, they got they got kind of like a heavy hitter to do this very silly story. And it's just it has that trademark cane movement and action. And there's this great panel where Bobo is driving the boat and in, in the background, Rex is looming over the two of them. Like you could that's like the whole see snarling panel. And I just like I love just little details. Kane could fit in a lot of figures in tiny spaces. Uh, it's, it's just such a pretty story to look at. It's, it's just beautiful. It's just everything about DC Comics that I love. <laughs> Crammed into to eight measly pages. Here it is. Rex the Wonder Dog, uh, episode, or issue number 34, Secret of the Golden Crocodile. There you go. Yep. And it's got, I, I assume that's still Danny. Uh, uh, in a canoe, a crocodile's coming up, and Rex is jumping to the rescue. <laughs> oh, do you, do you like Bobo's exultation when he's excited, what he says? Uh, about Rex being in the in the circus. Yes, yes, that's exactly the one I noticed too. I'm getting to it. Where's like a page two? Uh, I can't, uh, where? Oh, it's at the top. We please, Rex, Rex. No, no, no. What, what he says after that? And right bananas. Right bananas. <laughs> There's like Great Rayo and uh, Suffering Sappho, and you know, and Rex Scott. Right bananas. <laughs> oh, it's so much fun. Oh. I mean. This guy, uh, what's his name? Tiffenbacher? What is Mike, his name? Mike Tiffenbacher, yeah. yeah. I, I tried to look him up because I wanted to, to to track him down. Yeah. Sure we could talk to him about this, but I was not able to find anything. I wonder if it's an alias. I, I don't know. But he, he gets Silver Age and Bronze Age comics and how to make them work together. He really does. So <sighs> I wonder, did Sheriff Gage have to pay for an extra ticket to get Bobo into the circus? Well, it, it honestly, it reminds me a lot of the man with the yellow hat. And Curious George, yes. you know, it's, you really get that sort of feeling where you know Rex is off doing his own thing. Curious George does his own thing. You know, I'm expecting um, not Rex. I'm sorry, uh, Detective Chimp. I'm expecting Detective Chimp at any point here to go make pancakes for the whole city. So, well, folks, if you haven't read these DC Comics presents, treat yourself. Go pick them up uh, and, and go read these. They're so much fun, and you get these great classic characters. To some extent, it was just a. Um, Trademark grab, you know, to make sure they didn't lose right, their trademark. Right, yeah, yeah. But who cares? They're such a they're such a blast. But if you so so is who's who really? You know, that's true. We're devoting that's true. them the thousand hours of our life to that. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Let's just stop doing that. Okay, <laughs> I'm just done. I don't need it anymore. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> no, no, you're not getting out of the loose leaf. Never mind. <laughs> you 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 put you put the fear of terror in the hearts of everybody in that second that we're talking about quitting and doing who's who. <laughs> No, no, no. I think we'll be dead before we finish that, so yeah, don't worry. Yeah. 
All right, folks. Well, I think this is going to wrap it up. Rob, uh, why don't you tell the folks where they could see some images from these comics? Over on our website, fireandwaterpodcast.com, there will be two entries, one for the show, and then there will be another one, which is the gallery, where it has all the uh, sample pages from the stories. Perfect. So um, normally, you know, I post anywhere from eight to ten pages or so. I guess I can't really post that here because it would be the whole story. But uh, I'll pick out some panels and some fun bits, and we'll put it out there for fun. And then uh, if you want to check us out on the social medias, please use our hashtag poundfwpodcasts. You can also find us Twitter with the same name with the at symbol. And I got made fun of for saying at symbol. People told me it means I'm old, but I don't care. I am old. (laughs) Thanks for that. We also have a Facebook page, which is Fire and Water Podcast Network. And uh, you can find Rob over at Aquaman Shrine. You can find me at Firestorm Fan. You can find us on various social medias under the same handles. And, um, well, you know, if we wanted to talk about Twitter handles, I could go on for about a year with all the Robs. I mean, it's... <laughs> New ones every day. I, I, you're not kidding. You're not kidding. I mean, I think I saw one you did just the other day. said, well, because it's Thursday uh, at, you know, on Twitter or something like that. But anyway, folks, uh, uh, I guess that's going to do it. So until next time, fan the flame and ride the wave. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. So come down or burn them up. No one does it better whenever Stand for truth and justice and see a land in air. Aquaman and Firestorm, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah. Since whoever stole the Golden Skull is unwilling to come forward, we're going to have to do this the hard way. Isn't that right, Detective Chip? Chick, chick, why? What, what, brick?